black queens. I've been a black man in America, Nigerian American to be specific, my entire life. Importantly though, I tell people I didn't realize I was a black man in America until I was about 24 years of age. You can read more about that in essay number one, Race, Romance, Religion, and Reaganomics. Although I share that with people uh, facetiously, there's something to it. I think at that point in my life, my sense of identity was in flux. I was developing a new understanding of what it meant to be black. I was developing a new understanding of what it meant to be a black man. And perhaps most importantly, I was acquainting myself with what it meant to be a black man in America. Not surprisingly, there was a lot unfolding in the news that forced me to confront this epiphany. Not a few shootings of unarmed black men in addition to racially motivated hate crimes. For instance, the Dylan Roof shooting in Charleston, which admittedly, I was particularly rattled by. It was an important epiphany, one I'm tremendously grateful for, and it continues to enrich my life daily. But I think it's made me wrestle with other things too. We can certainly talk about the experience of blackness in America, but that experience isn't universal for all black people. For instance, there are situational considerations that may also shape one's experience. It probably depends on the city you're in, the neighborhood you grew up in, the social climate of where you're living, the degree of segregation in your community, your family's household income, and so on and so forth. Of course, as a behavioral scientist, I take a lot of interest in variation at the individual level, not just the situational level. These two are important. For instance, your experience of blackness in America likely depends on things, excuse me, likely depends on whether or not you're an athlete or an entertainer, your skin complexion, your hair texture, your height, your weight, uh, your general physiological structure, including but not limit limited to your facial features, how you talk, and much, much more. Indeed, these are all, uh, these all vary considerably from one person to another. To appeal to the language of social scientists, these are called modifiers. In other words, each of these considerations, each of these variables that we've listed above may modify how race predicts various outcomes concerning your black experience, whether that be at school, at work, at church, at the grocery store, or just walking down the street. An example may be helpful. While black persons in general may be subject to many stereotypes, there's research that shows that darker complexion black people are more likely to be criminalized than their lighter complexion counterparts including receiving longer sentences and being more likely to receive the death penalty in legal proceedings. Of course, that stream of research has application in many other settings too, like grade school education, deciding whether to give a student detention, you know, a suspension or even expulsion. It's kind of wild. Again, the experience of blackness depends on other things too, like skin complexion, for instance. These things may 
modify how race predicts your black experience in America and the associated outcomes. Now there's an important wrinkle that we probably don't speak to enough, particularly concerning the black experience. Gender matters. Sexuality does too, but that's a different conversation. The experience of black men and black women in America diverge in a number of domains. While I could spend the remainder of this post highlighting why that is, I'll try and simplify by summarizing with the following sentence. In addition to all of the adversity that's engendered as a result of sexism, black women also have to overcome all of the adversity that's engendered as a result of racism. Unless skin bleaching or a sex change surgery, race and gender follow black women for the duration of their lives. Even as early as grade school, you can see my reference from earlier. With this in mind, perhaps it's no wonder why in 1962, Malcolm X went as far as to say, the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. Remember, that's 1962. Shortly after having my epiphany, about realizing I was a black man, it made me take a similar stock of black women. Now, I've been doing that stock for the last three years or so, which largely motivated this current piece, something I've been thinking about for at least two years at this point. We're here because of black queens. It's quite simple, actually. While there are many stereotypes and narratives that come with being a black woman, this is a tribute, my tribute to Brilliant, lively, ambitious, courageous, knockout queens. We're commending the awesomeness of black women. And there's plenty to appreciate. B is for brilliant. The B is semi-ironic, considering the stereotypes that, excuse me, the stereotype to the 18th century, describing those of African descent as incompetent. In the centuries that followed, the world would go as far as to describe black people, including women, as biologically inferior, including but not limited to their cognitive capacity. But you and I both know that's not true at all. Black women are absolutely brilliant. Higher education in America was originally intended to exclude women in the same way it was intended to exclude black people. Some 400 years later, ironically, women across racial groups actually earn the majority of bachelor's degrees. And that's especially true for black people. At 64%, the overwhelming majority of black people that are college educated are women, not men. And honestly, it's been that way for some time. Black women are brilliant. For instance, Medicine is one of the most prestigious occupations and fields of study in the United States. And it would be easy to assume that most black doctors are men, but that would be untrue. Most black physicians, about 54%, are actually women. In fact, at 67% of black physicians under the age of 34, the overwhelming majority of new black doctors are all women. Now, while this doesn't say much about where these women are working or what they're being paid, 
in the 60 or so years since the passing of the Civil Rights Act, black women have risen to the challenge and shown themselves to be absolutely brilliant when given the opportunity. And it's not just medicine. Although public data from the Association of American Medical Colleges lends itself well to our discussion, from the boardroom to the courtroom to the emergency room, black women are absolutely brilliant. But there's more. One thing I've come to appreciate in all of my travels, I think I've been to 21, 22 countries at this point, um, is the brilliant creativity and artistry of entertainers and creators across the African diaspora. It doesn't matter what country I'm in or the language they speak, across Africa, there's such a rich, diverse tradition in the arts. We bring that with us wherever we go. West Africa, Northern Europe, the Caribbean, the shores of South America, the Northeastern Corridor of the United States, all the way to the Trap Museum in Atlanta. Our artistry is absolutely brilliant. And black women in particular have such an interesting story to tell as a result of their intersectional identity, being black and of course being a woman. They can't help but to showcase that creativity in such an absolutely brilliant way that's new and fresh to the entire world. Strife, adversity, and, and identity, and struggle, these produce such rich themes in art. Not to say there aren't positive themes that come out in black artistry as well, but these produce such rich themes in art and the world is literally begging for it. So shout out to the Beyonce's and the Rihanna's and the Cardi B's and other black artists and performers and entertainers, the whole world is watching as you continue to wow us with your brilliance. L is for lively. Again, I think the L here is an in-your-face irony as well. You know as well as I do, people, perhaps especially women, excuse me, black people, perhaps especially women, are stereotyped as loud and obnoxious. But you know, uh, I'm not sure I see it that way. Sometimes life just needs a little bit of extra flavor. Big afro, uh, big hoop earrings, big personality. We out here loud, live, and in color. Say what you will, but I don't think it's coincidental that black people, women included, seem to fare extremely well in the entertainment industry. I think we can have these really big, uh, lively, and vibrant personalities that really just attract people to us. There's a running joke that black Twitter, um, Twitter's black users, uh, black Twitter is Twitter. In other words, black Twitter makes Twitter cool and black Twitter makes Twitter funny. Black Twitter makes Twitter interesting. Black Twitter is what makes people want to get on Twitter. I mean, it sounds like black Twitter is good for business as far as social media goes. You could say the same about social media influencers, right? Vine and, and, and Instagram and YouTube, etc. A lot of these overnight success stories come from black people, including women with vibrant, and flavorful and lively personalities. And honestly, it just works. Queens, your presence fills and illuminates the entire room. You don't need to be apologetic about that. A is for ambitious. You know, I guess the A is a semi, 
I mean, I guess the A is semi-ironic too, considering black slaves in the Americas frequently worked 10, 10 plus hours a day for six days a week. Somehow though, there's this uh, ongoing stereotype about us being lazy. Anyway, I mentioned this in passing before when we discussed the fact that black women earn significantly more bachelor's degrees than black men, and most black physicians are women. But A is for ambition. And black women have a lot of motivation, a lot of drive, and a lot of ambition. And to be clear, I'm not saying that based on the number of degrees they're awarded or their interest in pursuing higher education. To quote Malcolm X, I think if you're one of the most disrespected persons in America, you really can't afford to not be ambitious. If we take a step back, though, I do think part of that motivation and drive was produced as a result of institutionalized racism. As America waged various domestic wars against the black populace throughout the 1900s, many black women ended up doing a lot to keep their family afloat. Honestly, I think for a lot of black women, it was hustle or die. It wasn't really complicated and there weren't really many options. They weren't going to stay afloat any other way. Of course, I'm doing a PhD in a business school, so I think about the enterprise implications too. Uh, researchers who study entrepreneurship, that's not my field of study, but researchers who study entrepreneurship have noted that most new businesses in America are being started by women, not men. Now, if you think that's impressive, it gets more interesting. Women of color, and again, that's more than just black women, but women of color are actually creating businesses at twice the rate of women in general. In other words, most of America's new businesses are not being created by men, but most of America's new businesses are actually being created by women of color. Researchers who study this frequently discuss the push factors, right? Situational considerations that push people into starting a business, like uh, the lack of advancement in corporate uh, America or sexism or racism at work or being underpaid or feeling overlooked or unrecognized for the work that's being done, etc., etc. Now, I'll admit, again, as I mentioned before, this isn't my field of study, but and it's hard to speak to this because we don't have all the data, but my intuition says sexism and racism produce a crappy experience for a lot of black women that are in corporate America. So many of them decide to work for themselves instead of working for someone else. Imagine that. You're not really feeling your boss for whatever reason, or you're not really feeling your company for whatever reason, or you're not really feeling your job for any number of reasons. So you decide to quit and to become your own boss. I'm not mad at you. Hey, when you're earning 64% of all the degrees being awarded to black people, I would expect nothing less. It's a perfect storm. Keep your head up and keep grinding. I stand by what I said. Black women have hunger, drive, and ambition. Provided, personally, I think it's a matter of survival. But salute to the queens. C is for courageous. I think it's difficult being a black man in America, but I imagine it's even more challenging to be a black woman. As I mentioned before, that basically means all of the adversity that comes with institutionalized and interpersonal racism, but it also means navigating it without male privilege. 
So you're not really allowed to assert yourself or speak up for yourself or even get angry in the way that a man probably would when he's getting mistreated. I think every single day you roll out of bed, you're demonstrating how courageous you are. When you show up to the job that some of your coworkers don't think you're qualified to have or you go to school where you fall asleep in your dorm lobby and someone calls the police on you because they thought you were homeless or when you carefully break down to someone why it's not okay for them to touch your hair without your permission, you could have decided a long time ago you were going to be a hermit and never leave your home. And yet, here you are. Eyebrows on fleek, shoes matching the purse, popping curls, black queens, you're doing just fine. Don't let anyone make you feel like you're crazy because it's a hard thing just to show up. Takes a lot of courage. We want to recognize you for that. K is for knockout. And hey, knockout is exactly what it sounds like. Look, queens, you're a slam dunk. The real question is what man wouldn't be interested in a brilliant, lively, ambitious, courageous woman? You guys are a knockout. You have this uh, beautiful, creamy skin, uh, strong, pronounced facial features, the eyebrows, the lips, the jawline, the cheekbones. Uh, you age so gracefully. The kinks and the coils and the curls in your hair are both iconic and signature. They, they pay tribute to the struggle, the struggle to understand beauty in particular and blackness in general. Tall or short, light or dark, big or small, curly or straight, all of you are beautiful because black is beautiful. And I think being brilliant and lively and ambitious and courageous only adds to the fact that you're a knockout. Like I mentioned before, given both the sexism and racism that black women are expected to overcome day in and day out, I don't think we recognize them enough. So this is a tribute my tribute to the black queens. Some random thoughts.